Thank you very much and good morning to you, brethren and sisters. Always a privilege to be found in the house of the Lord. Amen. Setting sun this evening, I'll be 73 by God's grace. Nothing today, but after sunset. And then on Monday, I'll be in my 74th year by God's grace. And I vowed, you know, my mother's with me when in, it's about 27, 29 years ago when I served in one district, I buried a mother, a real saintly woman, a mother in Israel. At the time of her passing, her son was in prison. That was just at the time of the eradication of apartheid. And he was released very briefly, two guards at his side, and he was allowed to view, you know, the mother's remains. And I will never forget that. Open coffin, he was allowed in, two guards alongside, and this is what he did. On the other side, look into mother's face. Mother wasn't aware of it. Mother couldn't reprimand him anymore. Did not always respect and obey mother. Mother is now gone and silent. And I said to myself, if ever there's an opportunity for me to have my mother alongside, I will do this because I did it when she was 82 years old when I was pastoring at the Riverside Church. About three weeks ago, on the 9th of December, she celebrated a 92nd birthday. Rosie, if you'll just stand where you are, I'll appreciate it. I want to express my indebtedness to you for what you have done over all these years for me not forgetting all the prayers which went up on my behalf. I received a prayer from her at 20 to 3 this morning. When I had to travel and fly over hills and dales, I had the assurance and backing of her prayers, even going abroad. I could do so in confidence, knowing that someone was praying for me. I thank you very much, Rosie, and it's always good to have and the knowledge to know that I still have a mother. That's all that I have, a mother. The boys are almost on their own, except for the one. I will never forget what Pastor, the late Pastor Ernie LaRue said on Christmas Day of 2008 when I lost my wife. We had a workers' meeting in February that next year. Very shy, he came up to me and he said to me, Charles, Charlie, how, how does it feel now? We're breaking up camp. We had workers meeting for one week. Now that you are going home, I responded by saying, I'm not going home. There's no one waiting for me. And it's about 18 years now that I have my mother with me. I had my father who's now late for 12 years, 13th year now. At least when I go home, I can go home to mama. I still have my mother. 
And this is what I said, you know, this sort of silenced him. He just dropped his head. I'm not going home, but now I know I still have a mother. Thank you, Lord, for, for having spared her for so long. I will never forget, and this is just by way of introduction, my grandmother, five months short of 98, when I did the eulogy and the homily, I think it was the Springdale Seventh-day Adventist Church, you know, always used to say, when I ask her, what is the secret of longevity? When she turned 95, I got into my car, drove down from George, solo, and I spent some time with her. And this is what she said. As children, we were taught to respect and honor the Lord. That was a secret. And also, furthermore, elderly people. Thank you, Brother LT, for inviting me to occupy the pulpit. He gave me permission to stay up till 2 o'clock. Is that right, Brother LT? <laughs> it is always good to be with you here at the Belleville Church. Promise to be brief and to the point. Now, initially, I was supposed to have done a New Year's message, and that, that didn't come off. But it was, you know, held for a little bit later, and I thank you for the privilege today to do that. Christian perplexities. Looking back over the past year, 2023, which is now history, it's gone. We'll never see it again. We have good memories, bad memories, sad memories, or whatever, but it is gone. The Lord has given us uh, today a new life, a new opportunity, a new tomorrow, or whatever we may have left on this planet. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8, we have it, and I used the uh, King James Version when I read, but I've typed out from, you know, the, the, the Amplified Bible, which sort of amplifies some of the things that I'd like to emphasize. Second Corinthians chapter 2, 4 verse 8, sorry. We are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. Another translation of these words says, we don't give up, we never give up. I'd like to take this opportunity to greet the believers in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, especially those who are here and also those listening via uh, the media, I trust that God's word will inspire hope and courage and be uplifting to your soul as I'm praying that will happen to me also. The, this passage contains a twofold assertion. Number one, a, a positive, and secondly, a negative assertion. 
Let us consider the positive assertion first. We are perplexed. The term signifies embarrassment, difficulty, trouble, anxiety. The perplexity of the Christian arises from various causes, and I'll mention a few. Number one, darkness of the mind. No clear evidence of divine favor. Weak enjoyments, gloomy prospects, and you name it. Secondly, power of temptations, especially when duty and interest clash, world and character are at variance, or when, like a flood, temptations would seem, uh, you know, calculated to bear away every spiritual support, and we reach low ebbs. James 12, or two, 1 verse 2 to 4 says the following, Consider... It wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations, be assured and understand that the trial of proving of your, the proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects less lacking in nothing. Thirdly, sometimes we envy the wicked because seemingly they prosper and the frequent adversity of believers. Fourthly, Mysterious dispensations of divine providence, as in the cases of lost property, whatever it is that's not in line with what we'll accept and embrace, as in cases of loss of reputation, wickedness of children, like in the case of Eli, the bodily affliction, uh, as it was with Job, and then also distressing bereavements like Job and Jacob and Ezekiel, premature death as Josiah, busy with a work of reformation. None, number five, efficacy of prayer. Have you ever felt this way? How many people didn't ask this question at some time? Why pray? If prayer does not bring about change, we're praying, we're praying, we're asking, and it doesn't seem as if the Lord responds favorably to our requests. Paul besought God thrice, but the thorn in the flesh was not removed. How many people have been earnestly praying important blessings for years, and yet the answer is delayed? These are some of the things which perplex the pious mind. And when perplexed, it normally affects Christian behavior and conduct. It is a fact. We shall now illustrate the second assertion in the, in the text. There is that there is no reason for despair. Number one, these tokens are not tokens of divine displeasure. And I'll read a few texts to you. Sometimes it may seem or appear as if the hand of the Lord is heavy on you. Things just doesn't go your way. And you feel out of place. Murmur, groan grunts 
You are in a position to God's will and at times maybe feel that it is not worthwhile following him or serving him any longer. Hebrews 12 and verse 6. For the Lord corrects and disciplines everyone whom he loves. And he punishes even scourges every son whom he accepts and welcomes to his heart and cherishes. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 5 and verse 6. Know also in your minds and hearts that as a man disciplines and instructs his son, so the Lord your God disciplines and instructs you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and reverently fear him. Psalms 94 and verse 12 through 14. Blessed, happy, fortunate. To be envied is the man whom you discipline and instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law, that you may give him power to keep himself calm in the days of adversity until the inevitable pit of corruption is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off nor spurn his people, neither will he abandon his heritage. You and I are important to God in his eyes. Secondly, every connected, everything connected with your salvation remains the same, despite the negativity. What has been sealed will hold and stand the test of time. The foundation, God's love, his immutable love, is for sure. The Holy Spirit's influence will not change. Everything available to us in order to succeed. Savior's merits, the blood of Jesus is always efficacious. Let us not lose sight of that. Friends, God loves you. He loves me. His love is immutable. The Holy Spirit will always bring conviction and guard us into all truths. The Savior's blood will always be efficacious and we have the merits of Christ available to us. These things are intended to produce the most salutary effects. As a medicine is given to relieve the body in pain and sickness, so these things are intended for the soul's welfare. Trust God. Believe in him. Obey him. Be receptive uh, for the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Always understand and be convinced about Christ's blood which was spilt on our behalf. Yes, as a fire purifies the gold, so these things shall purge away the dross of sin. As the frost of winter proves salutary to vegetation, so all things shall work together for our good. Fourthly, all our perplexing scenes are much easier than we deserve. Much lighter are our straits and difficulties than many eminent or eminent Christians have endured. And number five, the might of affliction shall soon terminate. It cannot, it shall not last forever or indefinitely. 
Yes, it may be nearly passed by some here present today. In heaven, you will be abundantly rewarded for all your sorrows. There's an Afrikaans word which says, no matter what your circumstances, my brother, my sister, fuzzbait. Your faith and your determination and endurance will bear fruit. You will not be disappointed. Now I'm concluding, but I'm going to conclude with something different. Let the Christian rejoice evermore and in everything give thanks, knowing that the same love that gives him his daily bread appoints his daily crosses. The Lord will not allow you to be tempted way above what you are able to endure. He will provide and supply whatever is needed in order for you not to succumb and to overcome. Let the impatient and the murmuring be corrected. Let the fearful and mind Christian, a fearful and timid Christian, sorry, take encouragement and trust in the Lord Jehovah in whom is everlasting strength. I'm reading to you from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 through 3. But now, in spite of past judgments for Israel's sins, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you, ransomed you by paying a price instead of leaving you captives. I have called you by your name. Yes, you are mine. Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt or scorched. Nor will the flame kindle upon you. Verse 3, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And then, as I plan to sit down very shortly, I want to just read to you this letter before his death on the 9th of September, 2023, that of Chi You know, I will always be grateful for what the Northern Conference, when I worked for them there, 2020, 2021, they took us on this tour of the battlefields in KwaZulu-Natal. Something I cannot forget. And I appreciate it because it is part of history and it will remain with us. When he learned that we were going to do the rounds, the entire worker force, administration, and all the workers on, in the office and the pastors of the Northern Conference, a person by the name of Gavin Perch, who served as our guide, must have notified him and visited him at his place of abode. And this is what he sent to the ministers. And I want you to listen very carefully because it did quite a bit to me in his own words. The date is 20th of October, 2021. 
It's about two years before his death. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm delighted to know that you are touring the battlefields of the Zulu Kingdom. As a descendant of those who fought in those battles, I extend my warmest welcome. As you sur survey the landscapes and uh, listen to the accounts of their history from my friend Mr. Kevin Burge, I believe you will experience a unique sense of connectedness to the past, standing in the place where lives were lost to greater causes has a stirring effect on the soul. It reminds us that there are causes worth fighting for and battles that require our individual and collective sacrifice. We who are followers of Christ understand this better than most. In St. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, he wrote, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In this battle, the weapons of our warfare are mighty. The word of God, the power of our testimony, and the assurance of our salvation. I learned these truths at my mother's knee, Princess Magogo, Dinazulu, was raised in the Anglican Church. But before her marriage to my father, she became a practicing Adventist. My father's grandfather in Korsin Yana Butelesi was commander-in-chief of all King Setswa regiments during the Anglo-Zulu War. His sons fought in the Battle of Isanwana on the 22nd of January, 1879. My grandfather, Mkandumba, was wounded while his brother, Mtumengana, laid down his life on the battlefield. Isanwana remains the greatest military victory of the Zulu nation and undoubtedly one of the greatest in history. It is because of Isanwana that King Shaka's people became known throughout the world. Like the warriors who fought at Isandwana, you and I stand on the battlefield today facing the enemy that appears to have the upper hand. Poverty, corruption, criminality, and injustice are manifestations of his presence, yet... We know from the word of God that our enemy is already defeated. He may walk about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but ultimately he is a defeated foe because of the finished work of Christ. Let us remember this and take courage. Victory is already before us. We simply need to keep fighting because the battle is not yet over. The race is not yet run. As a believer or fellow believer who has served my country for more than 70 years, I want to thank you for the work you are doing to further God's kingdom.
The spiritual regeneration of South Africa depends on men and women like you. I urge you to shepherd God's people through the battlefields of sin and temptation, being worthy ambassadors of our Heavenly Father. I hope these Lord's words and these thoughts will inspire you as you visit our kingdom. May the Lord bless you indeed. This was very precious at the time, under the circumstances. It was during the COVID period. But I will remember it for as long as I, love, as I live. A politician believing in God with a background of a Christian because of his mother, and yet realizing the reality of what we have to make through. And worries that we never quit, but be determined to endure and hold fast unto the end. There is nothing under the sun upon this planet, this fallen planet, so huge, so massive, so insurmountable that God cannot take charge of it. He is greater than our circumstances, and for that reason, let's continue, despite at times the odds being against us. Looking forward to the day, and make a point of this, that you cannot, you will not, you may not, you are going to be with God's redeemed on the sea of glass. May God bless you. Until we see again. Amen.